Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this cold, cold morning here in South Carolina. This is uh, Joshua Gilmer coming to you. I don't know if this is live, but I know it's recording. So this morning, uh, temperature outside the door was 27 degrees, which was about 10 degrees lower than what the news was saying. A uh, little bit of rain, not much. Heading my way up to Greenville, South Carolina. See how bad it is up that way. And since we're having all this cold weather, one of the issues I'm going to touch on today, and either this podcast or the next one, is climate change. Before we get started with uh, that topic, I also want to some of the news headlines and stuff from this morning that I've been seeing all over social media, and plus throughout the weekend. One of them was the uh, the fact that the uh, the statue of Silent Sam in North Carolina hasn't been put back up yet. And the uh, Board of Trustees down there, or whatever you like to call it at the University of North Carolina, have decided that they're one of their big plans is they're going to pretty much put it in a, like a little building, I guess. <clears throat> and let people who want to go see it be able to go in and see it, but it'll still be on the campus of North Carolina. And folks, let me tell you something. This has got the liberals' panties in a bunch like you've never seen before. <clears throat> These people are... It, now, it's snowing outside, and they're out there protesting a decision like this still to this day. They're mad because the, the thought of them leaving the monument on campus is just enough to send their little snowflakes and, you know, temperamental cells over the edge. What in the world are these people thinking? <clears throat> well, i tell you what they're thinking. They know because it's been done before they know if they throw a big enough fit long enough they'll get their way because see now that generation x and the late baby boomers are in charge now they're just soft the the, the generation x and the late baby boomers the ones that's born in the mid 60s you know they're just weak that's what we got up here going on in our heritage movement is this these people and a lot of these people that's on these boards and these councils and all this other stuff whether it's a town council city council county council board of trustees etc a lot of these people are not even from the south they're they lived up north for 30 out of their 45 years and they moved down here for jobs and they run for office or they get a appointed to a position like this and they don't have the same moral values and the same uh, cultural disciplines that we have as natural born southern so that that's why a lot of this is going on but like i said the uh the antifa guys and the uh protesters from the left and then general just idiots out there protesting about a monument that it's going to be put back up by state law. And there's the other question that has to be asked about the whole situation. Why does our side feel that it's necessary to uh, basically sit around and do nothing? And I know we've had a lot of good men out and women out there with flags and stuff flagging. And that's great. At least we did something on that front, right? But 
really, what do we expect to get done by peaceful protest? What do we actually expect to get done by writing letters to the board of trustees, to the president of the university, to the legislators? I mean, I'll be honest with you. All that's farewell and good. You can write letters to the legislator and all the people I just mentioned, but they don't read them. They might read one or two, and then they throw the rest away. Go, yeah, we got a lot of unhappy people writing letters. Writing letters. If you have a lot of people that are pissed off that decides to go up there and protest, say, at the state capitol of North Carolina, like the left does, maybe we'd get the same results as the left. Now people say, oh, well, we're held to a different standard. No, we're not. We hold ourselves to a different standard. And that is why we are losing. At some point, we have to use the same tactics as our enemy does. The far left, we have to use it on the moderate right to preserve our southern culture our heritage, our confederate heritage. If we don't wish to do that, then there's no point continuing on. Eventually, just like I said, we got to step up our game. Writing letters to the legislator ain't going to help anything. You have to send people to the legislator to speak for you, to lobby for you. I'm not saying you need to send every Tom, Dick, and Harry up there. In our movement, we need to get the best people we know that can articulate our ideas, our goals, and they can speak very well, and they're well-polished, you know, upstanding members of the communities that they live in. We need to send them in front of the legislators. Uh, because that's how you get this done. I know, I know a lot of people won't take offense to that. And I said, you know, well polished and articulate, but I can't go before the state legislator. I'm six feet tall, 230 pounds with a beard. That's you know nine, ten inches long. They're gonna think I'm some type of hick, even no matter how well I speak. Impressions make the first, you know, first and excuse me, first impressions make the best. And if you don't make the best out of it, that's our fault. But I can think of a hundred people that can articulate better than me to individuals and the legislators and to the politicians that can articulate what we need to be said. And they look the part. And I think that's the issue that we're having in Confederate heritage defense. Is that, you know, like I said uh, on the other podcast, everybody wants to be a leader. No one wants to be a follower, but everybody, I think the uh, second problem is everybody needs to feel use, useful. And not everybody can be a uh, politician. Not everybody can be a lobbyist. Not everybody, you know, it, it, I, I've, I've said it before. We individually need to accept your role. I know, just like I said, I am not good at public speaking. I can sit behind a microphone and speak or behind a keyboard and type some of the most elegant stuff you've ever heard. But I can't say it in front of a bunch of people. I just get tongue-tied. I don't look the part of a, of a lobbyist. I mean, those legislators would see me with a beard and whatnot, and they'll be like, oh, he's just some dumb hick from Cross Hill, South Carolina. 
but I can organize people. I can plan well. I'll go on the ground with my flag well. Uh, I'm more of a street general, I guess you could call it. And I've accepted that role. Now, I could probably shave my face, uh, lose a little bit of weight. I think I, I think we could all do that, right? But I could probably shave, go do the legislative thing, and then, and, you know, the smoozing with the politics, the politicians, the, the lobby, but that's not me. I still wouldn't be able to convey what I, needs to be conveyed to them. But I, I don't know about the rest of you. That's just my idea, is that we realistically, like if this was a pyramid thing, the flaggers would be the base of the pyramid and the membership. Uh, the next realm of the pyramid would be the donors, because uh, you got to have money to play this play this game to fight this war that we're in. Uh, that's why we're getting beat. Is because the left has decided to outspend us. Uh, the third rum, or third lateral, or whatever you want to call it, of the my little leadership pyramid, would be the heritage organizations. Uh, the fourth rum would be the lobbyists that we would need. The fifth rum or rung or whatever you know the level this is the six level pyramid the fifth would be uh, I would say uh, the organizers and the the very top of the pyramid would be the collective leadership from the heritage organizations that way everybody's working together but I'll be honest with you we're probably not going to get that because people don't want that People don't want unification. They don't want organization. They don't want any kind of form of leadership. If it's not about them individually, they'll bring down the whole system. I have seen it a hundred times. You're in a, a small flagging operation. You got 15, 20, 30 people in your little flagging operation. Three of them get mad and they taint the pool. The next thing you know, you got from 30 people to 10. Because 10 people go with the three, you know, excuse me, seven people go with the three that's making everybody mad. And then 10 of them decide they don't want to be any part of all the drama and the conflict. So they get out too. So now you're left with 10 people. And that's what's going on in our movement. We got numbers, just no one wants to be unified. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Now we all have the same goal. We want to see our heritage protected. But no one really wants to have a, a leader, no matter what it is. And until we get past this, well, let me, until we get past this point where we go, well, well this guy's in charge, but I don't like him, so I'm not going to do what he says, or I'm not going to be part of it no more, I'm going to do my own thing. Until we get past that, you can continue to watch monuments fall. And let me tell you something, folks. I said it back in 2013, it's not going to stop with monuments. I'm, I'm, you can call it right now. By 2030, which is about 11 years from now, 2030, they will be taking the headstones away from Confederate veterans in graveyards that are in public lands. Private lands, maybe not. They'll take the headstones away from public lands. You watch. By 2030, the, if, you're, if there's a Confederate soldier in a graveyard on public land, 
they will take the headstone down because it offends people. And then by 2040, they will say, oh, well, you know, just the thought of a Confederate soldier in here offends us, so and by 2040, they'll be digging up Confederate soldiers' graves and removing them. And by 2050, all the monuments will be gone, all the graves will be dug up. Uh, every remembrance of the Confederacy will be gone. The only thing to be left is people like you and me. And by 2060, 2061, the start of the bicentennial, it won't be a bicentennial, it'll just be long forgotten. There's just something for y'all to uh, think about. Let's see. Let's talk about the whole climate change thing. Now that it's winter time and it's cold as ice outside, I think it'd be a good time to talk about climate change. Let me give you a little history of it. 1996, I was a kid. There was uh, we we just had gotten uh, I guess you call it Direct TV or whatnot, <clears throat> and I found the Discovery Channel. Now, this was when the Discovery Channel was really was really the Discovery Channel. It wasn't any of this uh, reality shows and stuff that they have now. And I remember one episode they was talking about, they didn't call it climate change or global warming, they called it the greenhouse effect. In 1996, what we know now is climate change started as the greenhouse effect. And they said the greenhouse gases and carbon would build up so much in our atmosphere that it would trap heat to the earth like a greenhouse. And it would basically turn the world into a jungle, essentially. Trees and bushes and shrubs and grass and plains and everything would just start growing what it has never grown before. The deserts would become luscious jungles. And everybody in the scientific community and every small child like myself that's watching was all freaked out. Until you realized basic fourth grade science, which was trees and shrubs and grasses and stuff, they take carbon out of the air via photosynthesis and release oxygen. So the idea in 1996 when all this come out, about 1997 I should say, was we'll just start planting trees. And all, the, all those alarmists looked around the room at one another and said, well, I mean, we shot that in ourselves in the foot with that because these people figured it out, just plant more trees. And for two or three years, they planted trees. Everybody was on a plea trend. Excuse me. Tree planting frenzy. And then, I'm going to say about 1998, 1999, the term greenhouse effect went away. And it became global warming. And so from 1998 to 2010... It was slowly global warming. The, war the world is warming. Not dramatically, but it's warming. It's going to get warm. It's man-made global warming. We're all going to die. You know, even Al Gore made his famous prediction about the ice caps being totally gone by 2013 or 2014. Well, 2013 came around. Ice caps were still there, just as they are today. And they said, we got to come up with a different name than global warming. They called it climate change. 
Now, climate change is subjective, isn't it? Because if we know anything about the history of our world, the climate has always changed. We've went through ice ages, miniature ice ages, droughts, and everything in between. None of it was caused by man. But it happened anyway. So it became climate change. And when science, when people with common sense and scientific community pointed out that climate change has always been a part of it, it's wiped out species, it'll continue to do stuff like that. Then those guys, the alarmists and the liberal left of a scientific community decided they'll call it man-made climate change. In about 2015, that's when they started this, well, they started the carbon tax and all this other stuff well before that, but that's when you got the Paris Accords and all that stuff that's going on in Paris right now. Is That's when all that started. And still to this day, they're trying to convince us that climate change is man-made. That it's real, but it's man-made. And these people, these supposed to be brilliant scientists, have now came up with a way to stop global warming, as they're going back to calling it now, global warming and climate change. Do you know what it is? Now, they're claiming this man-made climate change. They have developed a solution, I guess you could say, of molecules that they, in theory, can spray into the atmosphere and it will tint and block out some of the sun's rays. Don't ask me how, I'm just reading what it says. Which will cause climate change to slow down or global warming to slow down by 50%. It's not going to stop climate change. It's going to stop global warming by 50%. But that would still be man-made climate change because if history has showed us anything about the failures of mankind is we tend to overdo stuff. So my big fear is these idiots are going to go up there with this solution and these molecules and spray it. They're going to spray a little too much. And not only is it going to slow down global warming, as they say it exists, it's going to change the climate and we're going to get dramatically cold and it's going to throw us into an ice age. I don't know if any of y'all remember the show about the dinosaurs that was in the late 80s, early 90s. You know, the little family of dinosaurs. And not the mama. Remember that? Not the mama. The little baby dinosaur would go around hollering, not the mama, and hit his dad with a pan or whoever was near him. But if you remember the final episodes of that, especially the final episode, the dad dinosaur was placed in somehow stopping some volcano from erupting. And it was his decision, and he did something with a bomb. He dropped a bomb in the volcano. Ash went up in the air. Everybody got cold. He messed up. And we left seeing that basically the dinosaurs are going to freeze to death in some type of winter like a nuclear winter now this stuff with that molecule seems like this is exactly the t same type of scenario in the little show about the dinosaurs they was freaking out over the uh, volcano erupting and, and wiping out a few dinosaurs and a few other species I imagine right and they ended up doing more damage when they blew the volcano up than they would if they just let it done its on its natural own. Same thing with this scenario. They put too much of that tent and stuff. Maybe they don't put too much of it. Maybe just put any of it up there. It slows the warming. It slows it. It causes us to go into an ice age. 
that kills millions and millions of not only people but species off the face of it. We're talking we're talking about it could be a potential global extinction of all life on earth because of a bunch of idiots that think the world is getting too hot. Even though all the data from the hard left shows that the temperature hasn't really increased over the last 150 years. At all. You can look in record books right now that were taken back in the 30s and say, ah, some of the hottest days still in the, in the state of Oklahoma and Texas has still been back in the 20s and 30s. Some of the hottest days here in South Carolina are still in the 20s and 30s. Or set in the 1920s and 1930s, excuse me. Some of the coldest days still set in the 40s. This global warming, man-made climate change is nothing more than a shrew, a hoax, made to uh, control everybody. And now, I'm not smart enough to tell you how they could control... Well, I, I guess I could say... I have my theory of how they could control people with it. But it's a way to keep governments in power, essentially. Because if there's a problem that the only government can fix, then people will flock and see it and see to it that the government fixes it. But that's just me. But climate change, global warming, greenhouse effect, man-made climate change, man-made global warming, all of that has existed for the last 20 or 30 plus years. I imagine if you go back far enough and find some old text that somebody in the 70s was saying the world's going to get hotter and hotter. It's not. Eventually, the climate will run its cycle. It will do what it's going to do on its own. Now, if man interferes with it, it could reach around and really wipe us out, but who knows? But I don't—I just don't want people to be fooled by this. All these terms they have: climate change, global warming, and all that. Don't be fooled by it. There's nothing really happening. North Dakota is still cold as hell in the winter. It's still cool in the summer. Canada is still frozen in the winter. You can't put a thermometer in South Carolina and put a thermometer in Canada and say, yep, well, the averages are 10 degrees higher than they was 30 years ago in Canada because of this. Well, no, you can't because Canada's probably 15 or 20 degrees average cooler in the wintertime than it is in South Carolina. So the data is still incorrect. Moving on from that. I don't know if any of y'all have uh, seen any of the recent articles or read anything recently on the uh, all that that's going on in Paris which is kind of linked into climate change but all the riots and stuff that goes on in Paris as we speak is being spurred because the government over there has taxed those people for the last decade or more into uh, I guess you could call it a uh, poverty their socialist agendas have taxed the French into poverty. It's gotten so bad that they can't even pay for their first responder services. They, you know, they can't pay for their medical care and all a whole litany of other, other things. And now the French people have decided to fight back 
with sticks and stones. And it looked like they are doing a pretty good job. And the final straw was the gas tax. Now, the reason I bring that up is here in South Carolina, I don't know about other states, but here in South Carolina, just a little over a year, a year and a half, two years ago, they passed a gas tax in our state, which raised it by 7%. The claim to fix the roads. Well, the roads are still in the same shape they was last year. And when you delve deeper into the subject of this gas tax and the roads, you'll find that a gentleman named Hugh Leatherman, who's, uh, I can't remember, I think he's the president pro temp of the Senate, or maybe he's the Speaker of the House here in South Carolina. He wants to get pretty much to allocate the money for the roads through the state infrastructure bank. And I believe he's from Darlington or Florence. And the roads in those counties, if it's Florence, it is, the roads in Florence are excellent. They get new roads at the drop of a hat. But, people here in the upstate, you get on I-85, you could probably be in a horse and buggy and not tell the difference from all the potholes in it. I know someone that literally hit a pothole. When I say hit, they fell into it and destroyed their car. It tore up the computer in their car, uh, ripped something out from underneath it, totaled it because of a pothole on an inner major interstate not not 385 385 is not a major interstate 385 is really just a connector but i-85 that goes all the way into north carolina and further potholes everywhere you can't make this stuff up we got bmw in spartanburg south carolina and the roads are so bad that they built their own test track to test them on, for God's sakes. What does that say? If you're in South Carolina, you need to call your representative and ask why the roads being fixed with all that tax money they got on coming in. To put this in perspective, when they made the gas tax and they passed it, and the governor, the governor vetoed it after about two hours sitting on his desk when he could have held it for five days and then gave people more time to rally support that way he wouldn't have two-thirds vote in the legislature but he didn't he sent it right back down there because he knows he wanted it passed too however when it passed the state of south carolina had a two billion dollar surplus in its budget if i understand correctly two billion dollars might have been a billion but with a b billion with a b we can't fix the roads. They was wanting to raise the gas tax to raise $500 million to fix roads. We have a billion or two billion basically left in the budget, but we can't fix the roads with that. The legislator in South Carolina is just crooked. Not all of them, the majority of them. And, you know, we have this uh, in the SCV coming up, speaking of the legislature. In the SCV, in a couple months, we're going to have the legislative day. If you're in the SCV, 
and in the state of South Carolina, please make plans to attend this. Last year we filled the upper balcony up. This year I'm hoping we are too, but please set your date and calendars. I'll, I'll get the dates for you when it's going to be and set your, set your calendars for that because we need all the people we need there. We need standing room only. I think a lot of times what happens in our movement is the same thing that happens to a, a lot of movements. It just, people do it one time and say, well, I did it. We need to go back every year and do it. And realistically, we need to start going three to four times a year to the legislature and standing in the balcony of the legislature then because that's the only way we're going to get things accomplished. But who am I? I'm just a... Uh, I'm just a small town guy, right? So, uh, to give you an update on the roads and stuff up here in Greenville, I'm up around Butler Road, exit 33 on I-35. Traffic has slowed down a little bit, not much, but there's snow everywhere. You can still see a lot of grass. The trees are pretty clear. The roads are decent and clear. So everything's good up this way. The power is probably still out in certain places, but that's to be expected. So, who knows? I know we went over a lot today in 30 minutes. I'm going to start trying to do these uh, podcasts more frequently. Thank you to the people that have listened to the podcast. Uh, I'm doing this really just for fun. I like to vent, I like to get it out. Here in the future, I'll probably be, I'm going to see if I can do a podcast and Facebook Live at the same time. That way I can reach more people. But, you know, who knows how that's going to work. I'm coming up on Woodruff Road now in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people call this Hell's Gate because it's like hell getting through here. There's an ambulance coming in the opposite direction, so obviously some idiot has had a wreck or something. But everything's pretty clear up here in, in South Carolina. What about you guys? So, uh... I'm almost to work now. I have to see how bad the damage was for those trees falling. and I'm going to let everybody get to their day. Uh, stay safe. Stay warm. And I believe the next podcast I'll do it on some primitive survival skills. but uh, And some emergency preparedness. But until then, I want everybody, like I said, stay safe, stay warm. And uh, God bless y'all. Have a good day.